evening, everyone. Enjoyed today? <clears throat> Did you enjoy today, the good weather? Oh, Beautiful day. Yes. I heard uh, one of the weather guys say, enjoy the weather because winter's coming fast. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Pastor Eric, thank you for your, your music and your team all you guys do for us. We really appreciate all of you. Amen. 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 So we bring you greetings from <coughs> our bishop. And excuse me if I, I cough a little bit. I got my water. But <clears throat> we've uh, been talking now for about three and a half days pretty straight. And my voice has gotten a little raspy. But that's okay. <clears throat> but anyway, we bring you greetings from our bishops. They are out and about doing God's uh, work. They were called to... Uh, uh, let's say an emergency session <coughs> to, uh, to minister to a church. So let's just extend our hands towards the cross and, uh, and just pray over them, okay? <coughs> Father, we thank you <coughs> that we can follow bishops because they follow you. Father, we thank you that they set an example for all of us that we can follow in their footsteps. Even as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That is the mantra that bishops can truly lay down. So, Father, we thank you for your hedge of protection around them. We thank you for the blood of Jesus upon them. We thank you, Father, that you have birthed in their heart a message for this time and this season for the church they are ministering at. And we thank you, Lord, that there is always the confirmation <coughs> with signs and wonders <coughs> following your word. Thank you, Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, that they are humble servants. They are grateful servants to be in your kingdom. And Father, we honor them tonight because they give you glory. Let them come home to this church with a super praise report. And they can say, look what the Lord has done. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So I <clears throat> said last week that the pulpit was dry and it needed some watering. And so I had a couple of jokes and got some good reactions and I, Saw that the ground was watered this morning, and there was a good reaction, so I've got another one for you, okay? <clears throat> this is called First Day on the Job. A passenger in a taxi tapped the driver on the shoulder to ask him something. The driver screamed, lost control of the cab, nearly hit a bus, drove up over the curb, and stopped just inches from a plate glass window. For a few moments, everything was silent in the cab. Then the driver said, please don't ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. The passenger, who was also frightened, apologized and said he didn't realize that a tap on the shoulder could frighten him so much. The driver replied, I'm sorry, it's not really your fault at all. Today is my first day driving a cab. I've been driving a hearse for the last 25 years. <laughs> Call Uber next time. That's scary. <laughs> well, I get encouragement from one person anyway. Yes, yes. You always count on Dr. Scott, yes. <laughs> but it is truly uh, an honor to stand in Bishop's pulpit. We never, ever take it for granted. And uh, so we always want to make sure we bring, bring something good for the congregation. So tonight... We're going to talk about living in the faith zone. 
So say that with me. Living in the faith zone. Living in the faith zone. So this is part two of a message we started last week, last Sunday night. Part one was called Get Out of Your Safe Zone. And here we shared that God is always moving forward. He's always expanding. I want you to think about if you were to throw a, a pebble in a calm body of water, how it would ripple out. And that is what God is constantly doing. He's constantly rippling out. He's constantly growing. He's ever changing. And he's doing that in and through us. How many can say amen to that? Yes, amen. Right? So God is always expanding and there is no end to him. So when we look at our lives, he wants us to always keep moving forward as well, to be growing and to be expanding. And as Christians, we do that by inviting God's presence and discovering our purpose for today and for tomorrow. How many, wanna, how many of you, when you get up in the morning, you're, you're just excited? You're excited for the day to start. Okay. That means all of you, all of you who are like that, you're morning people. Okay? <laughs> How many of you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, where, where's my coffee? Talk to me in an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talk to me in an hour. <laughs> so <clears throat> the point is, we need to move out of our safe zone. And God gives us a good example um, of the Israelites moving into the promised land. And when we study out the scriptures, which we'll just briefly look at in a moment, we see that they, they did two things wrong when they looked at the, the, their promised land. Number one, they, they maximized the opposition. They looked at the giants and they said, we can't overcome. And they minimized the opportunities that were before them. So you want to think about that. The Israelites standing on the cusp of the Jordan River, ready to go into their promised land, that God had already ordained them to, uh, to um, what's the word I'm trying to think of here, <clears throat> to own, right? It was theirs. It was theirs for the taking. Mm -hmm. So they send out these 12 spies, and we know the story that 10 come back with the bad report, right? <clears throat> Even though, once again, say God, God. has ordained their promised land. Their now promised say this with me. God, God has, ordained has ordained my promised land. My promised land. <clears throat> so we get to choose, do we want to be the, the 10 spies who came back with the negative report, or do we want to be one of the two spies who we'll get together or talk about in a minute, who came back with that positive report? So <clears throat> the 10 spies come back, they're bemoaning the, the giants, uh, they're saying that they can't capture this land. But what did they bring back with them? This huge fruit with them. Mm -hmm. And how many of you know that God has huge fruit in your promised land? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you want to really think about that as we go forward. <coughs> and you think about what it is that God has for you. And envision the fruit that is in that land. So... <clears throat> The ten spies bring back this, this awful report, and not only did they do, but uh, the rest of the Israelites incur a terrible penalty. So in Numbers 14, we read about these ten spies who gave this evil report, and it says here, it says, Now the men who Moses sent out to land who returned and made the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, these very men who brought the evil report about the land, <clears throat> land died by the plague of the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
But Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephuah, remained alive of all the men who spied out the land. So we get, a, we, get to be, uh, we get to have a choice here. When you go look at your promised land, what type of spy are you? In Numbers 14, 29 to 30, we read that the carcasses of all of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness, and all of you who are numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except Caleb and Joshua, you shall no, by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. You want to think about that. <clears throat> God swore to his own hurt and gave a promise that this land was theirs. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. But they came back with some big buts, right? But God this, but God that, but God we saw this, but God we, we saw that. <clears throat> and you want to think about how sad it was that the blessing that God had waiting for them to pour out upon his people, <clears throat> they forfeited by their unwillingness to risk obedience and follow the command of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Amen. So part two of this message that we want to focus on is living in the faith zone. So we are moving from the safe zone to the faith zone. Amen. Amen. From comfortable to uncomfortable. But how many of you would rather be uncomfortable and in God's will than comfortable and not doing anything? Amen. Mm -hmm. So say, I'm moving. I'm moving. From my safe zone. <clears throat> from my safe zone. To God's faith zone. To God's faith zone. That's your mantra this week. Safe to faith. Safe to faith. I'm going to take a risk, God. So you need to ask yourself, what is my Canaan? So what is my promised land? What have I been asking God for? What's my inheritance? What have I prophetically been told is coming my way? What does God want me to take ownership of? What does he want me to possess? Is it my healing? Is it my breakthrough? Is it the next level in him? Is it a fine-tuned ear to hear his Holy Spirit? Is it a deeper level of obedience? Is it new restored relationships in my family? What have I been praying for and expecting and waiting on God for that he may very well be sitting there saying, are you going to possess this? Are you going to let this intimidate you for yet another several months, another year, another half a lifetime? Or are you going to take a risk, get out of your safe zone, move into the faith zone and go and possess and inhabit and own what I've had for you all along? Amen. What has God been asking you to accomplish in him that you've just been intimidated to do or too lazy to do or too busy to do or making excuses about amen god says look it's there for the taking it's your inheritance i said it was yours all through scripture are you going to inhabit it amen so remember this unbelief forfeits your opportunities mm -hmm. so when we walk in unbelief it's like forfeiting the game there there is no game right all the referees go home the other team goes home the enemy says wow that was easy thanks didn't even need to engage we just forfeit the whole match when we walk in unbelief. And it's okay that we have areas in our life where we don't believe or where we have limited belief because we know from Scripture all we have to say is, God, help my unbelief. God, give me greater faith in that area. Help me to just believe what I see in your word and what you've been telling me, right? This also jeopardizes our objective. So what we're pursuing and what God has told us to do winds up being jeopardized, amen, when we don't walk in complete belief. God wants us to keep seizing the moments, 
forging ahead, right? And he provides for us by creating the faith zone. So we need to simply say to ourselves, if God said it, I believe it, and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Try that one on. If God said said it, it, I I believe believe it, and and I'm I'm going to do do it. it. Boy, that's a good one, isn't it? <laughs> so let's talk about this faith zone and how we take risks in it. It brings us back to Caleb. So he and Joshua represented the minority opinion among the spies, right? Caleb had pleaded with the people. He said to them, come on, let's go up. Let's take possession. We are well able to overcome it. Were the Israelites well able to overcome all of these fortified cities and these giants and these inhabitants of Canaan? Not on their own, but Caleb knew it wasn't on their own. God promised it, therefore he'll provide provision in order for us to do it. So don't look with your natural eyes. Think about all the miracles that we've heard about and we've been taught that Jesus has done. God said it's our promised land. He didn't bring us here over 40 years to not let us in the door. He's going to give us what we need. And Caleb and Joshua knew that. Their faith was unwavering in that area. They were totally willing to take the risk. And they tried to get the Israelites to take the risk with them. Let's go up and take it. We sure well will overcome, they said. Imagine Caleb's frustration and defeat when the whole nation just shouted him down. Ah, forget it. We're not going to do it. And you know, as the decades passed and they sat there, right outside at the gates of the promised land, one by one they passed away and even Moses passed away. And the sole survivors were simply Caleb and Joshua, all alone. There was all that was left of the entire generation. Can you imagine how they felt? Just amazing. So 40 years later, the day comes when they're going to lead what's left of Israel into the promised land. And they were as young in spirit as they were 40 years ago. Unbelievable, isn't it? To think that really nothing changed in their physical makeup, in their attitudes, in their heart. And so Joshua succeeded Moses, and he led the Israelites across the Jordan River right into the promised land. And as we read through the book of Joshua... All we see is conquest after conquest after allotment after allotment. They overtook the armies, they possessed the land. They overtook the army, they possessed that land. They overtook the giants, they possessed that land. They just moved in and took what God said was theirs, and God was with them. And they expected it. They knew he was going to be with them. So in Joshua 14, we read about Caleb once again. He makes a trip to see his old friend and fellow spy, Joshua. And this is what he says to him. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb's son of whatever his name is, the Canaanite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I was a 40-year-old man, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me saw the same thing, heard the same thing chose to look at it in a completely different way. And they made the hearts of the people melt in fear. Boy, I sure would rather be an influencer for getting people to riot against the enemy and take a risk in God than I would like my reputation to be that I disheartened and pulled the wind out of the sails for God's people to possess their land. So it says, however, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So with the passing of years, Caleb's faith did nothing but grow. 
So here there's millions of people in a nation, and he says, believe the report of the Lord. And he has Joshua to support him, and they're well-respected, and Moses agrees. And the people say, uh-uh, no way, I'm not taking the risk. He could have just slid right back into disbelief. His faith could have been bruised and beat up. But instead, his faith grew over that 40 years of just waiting for people to die off so that the generation that God was going to allow into the promised land could go forth. It says his enthusiasm was like that of a child's. Mm. Think of a kid and how excited they get. They're crazy. They know they're going to get ice cream or pizza or go on a trip, go to a fair, take a vacation. They're nuts. They're jumping up and down, and they can't focus on anything. And it says Caleb's faith has grown, his spirit was clear, his mind was sharp, and his enthusiasm was like a kid's. He was all wound up and excited, right? The promise of God was still an obsession of his heart. You know, the word obsession, we always think of as being really extreme and, you know, needing medication, right? But <laughs> obsessed with God? Boy, that sounds great, doesn't it? That's just got energy all around it. God, I want to be obsessed with you. I want to be obsessed with your word. I want to not be able to function in a 24-hour period without a taste of your word every single day. So God, develop an obsession deep in my spirit for the things of you. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. It takes a risk. It takes a risk. To live in the faith zone. To live in the faith zone. Say it again. It takes a risk. It takes a risk. To live in a faith zone. To live in the faith zone. So now we can look at a big picture and you know, we always hear God is going to do great things. How many of you have heard that expression? God is going to do great things in your life. What does that mean? What does that really mean? Does that mean he's going to put, put us all in, in the White House or, uh, you know, we're the next men or women going to Mars? What does that truly, truly mean? Let me give you a, a picture from four individuals, and I could have picked a plethora of people from Evangel, but I'm going to give you a picture from four people, show you what that means. There's a young lady in our congregation, Catherine Stratton, you probably all know her. She's, uh, you know, slim built, uh, dark haired. She is part of a team, evangelistic team, that goes out and they follow a Luke 10 model. And... Catherine was in the, uh, uh, the office this morning, <coughs> and one of the ladies came in, um, and she was limping. Catherine says to her, you know, what's wrong with your leg? And she says, oh, you know, I've had this, this pain now going on for months, and, and you know, my, my ankle's not right, my hip's not right. And Catherine said, well, can I pray for you? And the lady looked at her and said, well, sure. So Catherine is very simple, not simple-minded, but simple in the way she prays. She's not, I'm all up in your face and bind that spirit. And I, She just prays real simple. And she's, after she prayed, it was about 30 seconds. And she said to the lady, she says, okay, now move your leg. The lady starts moving her leg and her hip. And she says, you know what? She says, that feels better. And she said, but, you know, I've got a twinge still down in my ankle. She says, that's okay. And so she prayed again. And she said, okay, now move your ankle around. The lady moved her ankle around. She said, she said, I've been struggling with this pain for months now, and it is gone. <laughs> and Catherine said, well, just praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And she went about her business. She steps out, and she takes yes. a risk. Yes. 
How many of us are willing to do things like that? How many of you have been in a grocery store and God has tapped you on the shoulder and said, go talk to this person or look at that person or say this or say that, and we shrink back from it? Living in the faith zone will always take a risk. Um, Young guy up here, Sean, part of the uh, praise and worship team. You know, I've, I've known him now for a couple of years. And when he first came to Evangel, he was in a very precarious position in, in, his, in his life. And I won't get into all of that. He can tell his own story of how God has moved him out. But I have watched him stay faithful to God. And, and every time he was tempted, you know, he could have done, he, uh, moved out into this job or done this. Or, or <clears throat> when, when he started getting work again, uh, amazed me, he, he told his manager, he says, you know, I, I'm here, I'm going to do the best job possible. He says, but I have some commitments at church and I want to keep them. And so he moved his schedule around in order to keep his commitments. <clears throat> and God, I've watched him over the, the last couple years, how God has just continued to elevate him. Why? Because he was willing to step out and trust God. And I'm telling you, this young man was in a very precarious position. Um, <clears throat> Colonel Chris Wren, who's sitting up front here in the blue, there was a few months ago, she, she came to me and uh, there was, she was going through a, a particular uh, project in um, the Air Force. Am I right, Chris? Yeah. Okay, at the Air Force. And, and she wanted to grow this project, but she had to get some buy-in from some leadership who had always been resisting. And so she wanted to step out because she knew she had the wisdom to grow this particular program. Yeah. She knew that God had called her to do, uh, grow this particular program, but she wanted the mind of Christ. So we, we talked things through. We prayed things through. We talked about how to approach the, the leadership. And, and then she just went out and stepped out, and she took a risk. She yeah. took a risk to face her upper management, those who are, and I don't know all the ranks of colonels and yada, 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 but those who are above her. And she had to face them knowing that they could not only rebuke her, but they might pull this program for her. But she stepped out in that faith zone and God honored her for that. I'm thinking of uh, uh, 200 graduates through it so far. That's so, amazing. Yep. Awesome. I'm thinking of uh, Miss Gloria over there, Gloria Duff. You know, we've got to know her really well lately. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about Gloria is she took her, she calls them her grandbabies. (laughs) (laughs) She took her grandbabies in, and she's a single mom, or single grandma, I should say. And, And she raises these kids for years. And how many know when you've got you know, older kids, and you're bringing them into your home, (coughs) it's not an easy task, right? They bring their own baggage and thoughts and everything else. But she said, nope, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to raise them in a godly home. And through thick and thin and some really harrowing stories with with these grandkids, she watched them grow into an adulthood. And now they're off doing their own thing. And, you know, she has never missed an intercessory prayer session. That's taking, that's not only taking a risk with their grandkids, but how many know that when you're an intercessor, you're a target for the enemy? So she's stepping out there, she's taking a risk, 
She's walking in that, that faith zone. And, you know, there's many, many others that, that I could talk to. But my point is, <clears throat> we're looking for God to, to elevate us, you know, way up here. But in everyday life, you can be taking the risks to walk in the faith zone that God has called you into. So we're going to look at four, <coughs> excuse me, four reasons for Caleb growing in faith as he moved out of his safe zone and into that faith zone. Number one is that risk-takers stay exuberant in their lives. <clears throat> Think about kids on Christmas Day, or no, before Christmas Day, and they're all excited, right? They're full of life and full of energy. They've got a level of exuberance that matched or paralleled what Caleb had for 40 years between the time he, he gave his good report until the time he took possession of the land. In Joshua 14.10, it says, <coughs> Now he told Joshua, Now then, just as the Lord had promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to the battle as I was then. How many 85-year-olds do you know who would say that? Yeah. Right? I don't know of any. Well, actually I do. Apostle C. He, I'd definitely put him in that case. He, he'd still go out and kick some devil butt. Right? But most people are, you know, back in their rocking chairs or, uh, you know, do, just living the nice life and living out their, their, their final years on this earth. But God wants to keep an exuberant attitude, an exuberant zest for life. <clears throat> Psychologist Kay Redfield, she wrote this. She said, exuberance carries us to places we would not otherwise go. It's, it gives us a strength. It gives us that attitude of saying, yeah, it's a new day. Let's go get it. <clears throat> uh, exuberance takes us across the deserts to the moon to the places that only imagination can think of and brings them into reality and once the pleasures of whatever it is that we've conquered become common in our lives when we experience the, the victory and the harvest and the sweetness it is exuberance that moves us on into unfamiliar territory into capturing new places. It gives us the reason to move forth all over and do it once again. And that's a perfect description of Caleb. It's a description that each one of us needs to have. When we wake up in the morning, whether you're a morning person or not, we need to look at the day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made and... We will rejoice and be glad in it, right? That's an attitude of exuberance. What is God going to do this day? How is he going to use me this day? That same exuberance that Caleb had is available to you and I, and I tell you now, it's a choice. So we get to choose to be like Caleb, or we can choose to be like one of the ten spies who brought back that negative report. Amen. So the first point is risk takers stay exuberant about their lives. Point number two, they stay enthused about their futures. How many of you are excited about the future? Yeah. How many of you are scared Amen. about the future? How many of you don't like unknowns and don't appreciate the future? 
<laughs> Amen. You know, we're all growing older, aren't we? But no matter what our age, we should always embrace our future with excitement. A lot of people, as they begin to age, adopt a defeatist attitude. They start to lose momentum. They start to slow down. You know, I was talking with Reverend Barba this morning after service, and, and just she's so full of life. And just, you know, I have a lot to do, and I get to bless my kids and enjoy my grandkids, and my life and my time is my own. And I get to spend all this time during lockdown with the Holy Spirit and just enjoying every minute of every day. That just makes God happy. He loves to see us enjoying life. Amen? But we want to make sure we don't get caught up ever in that defeatist attitude, that we don't let the enemy start to slow us down, right? But we need to be excited about what each day holds. You know, Dr. Simon and I have several businesses that we run, several ministries. We love the opportunity. We love challenges. Our heart is just to make sure that we leave a legacy uh, of influence that's stamped with God's approval. It's like, God, whatever you need us to do, we're open, we're willing, you need us to change, switch directions, modify this, stop that, pick up this, you got it. Just tell us what you want us to do. You know, our time is yours, our schedules are yours, our entire lives are yours. We just want to impact people. We want to influence them for the kingdom. And that's all that really matters to us. So watch Caleb and watch what he does. It says in Numbers 14, 12, Caleb told Joshua, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord is helping me and I will drive them out just as he said. Mm. Now, I don't know if you get what's going on here, but Caleb has just walked up to his leadership and asked for the toughest assignment that existed in settling the land of Canaan. Mm -hmm. When we read that, we should feel like shouting, amen, hallelujah, because at 85 years old, he was ready to claim the hill country that was the most intensely fortified. He was ready to tame the land, set up an inheritance for his children. And so there's something here we don't want to miss. Hebron was the ancestral home of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now it was inhabited by an evil tribe of huge warriors, and they were known as the descendants of Anak. So these guys were giants, real live biblical giants, just like Goliath. And the sight of these warriors just sent the first 10 spies running tail tucked between their legs, right? This portion of territory was still not taken by Israel. It still had not been possessed. It had not been claimed yet. And the giants kept scaring everybody away. They were so intimidating. Everybody except Caleb, right? Who said, I want that country as my inheritance. Mm -hmm. So say with me tonight, I want my healing. I want my healing. I want my family saved. I want my family saved. I want all this junk and funky thinking gone in I Jesus' name. Is that what it's called? That's what it's Junk called. Thinking. Junkie okay. thinking. I want my <laughs> mind renewed, God. Amen. God, I want to flow in the gifts. I want it. I want my breakthrough. I want what you said I could have. Your word has all these promises from start to finish. I want them. I want those. Caleb said, I want that land for this inheritance. I want the country, he said, and I'm going to take out those puny giants. Isn't that a play on words, huh? Mm. Puny giants. Let me at them. Hold me back at 85 years old. So no matter your age, no matter your circumstance, no matter your previous experience, your education, whether or not you think you're prepared or you should be disqualified, right? We've got to climb that hill. 
Mm -hmm. Just say, I'm climbing the hill. I'm climbing that and hill. And we've got to have that type of enthusiasm that carries us forward. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you're a low-energy individual. It's okay if you're reserved. It's okay if not a lot's gone your way for some time. Just say, God, give me an injection of enthusiasm. I need to get excited about you again. I need some enthusiasm that's going to help me to motor to the next place, to move me from the safe phone zone over to the faith zone. So God, help me. Help me to become enthusiastic. Amen? Say, I'm enthusiastic. I'm enthusiastic. Say it like you're enthusiastic. I'm enthusiastic. <laughs> All right. There we go. <laughs> now, we're, we're going to touch on this in a bit, but just think about this for a moment as I go into this next story. <laughs> Caleb is promised to move into the promised land, and now the Israelites aren't going in. And what is he doing for 40 years? I want you just to think about that. Listen to this story here. <clears throat> Jessica Long was an orphan in Siberia, and she was born with a particular disease called fibular hemalia. <clears throat> in other words, she was born without ankle or heel bones, or most of the bones in her feet. <clears throat> After much prayer, a Christian couple from the U.S., <coughs> decided to adopt her when she was 13 months old. A few months later, Jessica's legs were amputated below the knees. So growing up, she couldn't do most of the things other children could, but she did learn to swim without her prosthetic legs in her grandpa's pool. At age 10, Jessica joined a swim team. At age 12, she, run, she won three gold medals in the 2004 Paralympic Games in Athens. Since then, she has competed in three more Paralympic Games, and her medal count is up to 13, six silver, 13 gold, six silver, and four bronze. She is one of America's most decorated Olympians. She said, I was raised the right way, but I still had to come to Christ on my own. Eventually, I decided I want to give Jesus my whole heart, and it was the best decision I ever made. And she has some advice for, for us. She says, believe you are capable of incredible things and that God has a plan for every individual. I want you to embrace who God made you to be. I now look at my legs and I think of all the people I've been able to touch because God allowed me to be this way. Embrace who you are, shine bright, and never give up on your dreams. Jessica looks back in gratitude, but her focus is on the future. She said, I'm so excited for what's next. So it's been said that you and, if, when you and I get excited about our future, our past doesn't matter much. Now, you know that Drs. Trish and I and, and bishops, we are proponents of inner healing and deliverance. And inner healing breaks up the ground and brings that truth and brings that emotional healing that we need in order to move forward. But the fact is that most people are too busy bemoaning the things that happened in their past to see the brightness of their future. Most people are too busy looking backward instead of forward. And that's the encouragement that Caleb gives us. And again, you want to think about what was he doing for 40 years in the desert or wherever he was? Because we don't know where he was. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but listen to what he said when he's 85 years old. He's ready to go. What kept him going for 40 years when nobody else knew where he was 
what he was doing or what God planned for him. The only thing that kept him going was his exuberance and his zest for God and standing on God's promises. He never looked at his, you know, gray hair, or in my case, no hair, <laughs> and begged off that heavy lifting. He never looked at his age of 85 and said, you know, life has passed me by. Uh, you know, I'm too old to do anything. He asked for worthy challenge because he knew he had the wisdom from life to face it. And he knew the strength and the power of his God to overcome. And you want to write this down. With a powerful quest comes a powerful reward. With a powerful quest comes a powerful reward. In other words, if you knock down a giant, you're going to become a giant. Caleb had a vision for his future, and because of that, at 85 years old, he accomplished the greatest victory of his life. Amen. Number three is that risk-takers stay enthusiastic about their assignment. You know, sometimes at work, we'll be on a lengthy project in IT, something that's six or eight months long. It's a long assignment. And sometimes I can lose a little energy towards the end. Part of that's my, my makeup and my temperament. I like shiny new things. Mm. And then I kind of fizzle out and want the next shiny new thing. So I have to really focus towards the end of projects to stay engaged, make sure I'm giving 110%. And usually there's multiple projects going on at the same time. And I always laugh because those post-mortem meetings where you get together and talk about what you did right, what you did wrong, what to change the next time are just grueling for me. I'm already started the next project and I'm ready to go. But I have to work at staying enthusiastic, excited, and engaged. And you know, that could happen to us in ministry. And you know, one of the things that really alleviates that is giving it back to God. You know, after 25 years of overseeing the Deliverance and Inner Healing Seminar, it could get wearisome sometimes. The warfare could start to just exhaust you. The people would start to exhaust you, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And so there were times where you thought, oh, Deliverance is this weekend. And I would say, God, thank you for the privilege to serve in this ministry. God, this is your ministry. You just show off over this weekend. What you do in people's lives blows my mind. Thank you for the honor to serve in this ministry. And pretty soon, as I just began to thank him and praise him and give it back to him and remind myself it wasn't my work, it was his ministry and my privilege to be, be a participant in it, I would get so excited about all the awesome things that were going to happen, and it would just carry me right through, all energetic. It was really great. So when you think of Caleb, when he got his God-given assignment, he was swinging from the rooftops. He got so excited. Joshua and the Israelites had not yet succeeded in taking the inhabitants out of some of the largest parcels of land in the Promised Land. The business was unfinished, but in Joshua 15, 14, it says, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. And it says they were, they were Anak's children. They were the giants. So Caleb did exactly what he was told. And here's a real key. He did it immediately. You know, in the seminar... We always tell people when we teach on detestable objects and how the enemy can get a foothold in your home and in your family if you have things and items in the house that don't glorify God. We say, why have it in the house? 
you know, their soul ties were attached to things from the past. Get that junk out of your house. Take a big old garbage bag, walk through every room, the attic, the basement, open drawers, cupboards, closets, and throw it out if you get a check in your spirit. And we always, always tell these newcomers, do it right away. Mm -hmm. Within the next 48 hours after leaving this deliverance seminar, that means by Tuesday night, you want to have that done. Because what happens over time? Ah, it's probably not that big a deal. And the enemy starts to tell you, that's not causing any trouble. That's not, that's not affecting your walk. That's not why people are sick and fighting in the home. That's not why you can't pray. That's, that's just a thing. It doesn't matter. And they won't do it. And then they wind up struggling in the same areas they did before. So we can really learn from Caleb. He did exactly what he was told, and he did it immediately. When God lays a burden on your heart to pray for something, stop and pray right then. When God says, I want you to change it, change it the next morning. Do it immediately so that you don't lose momentum and the enemy can't get in there and make it less important than it really is. If God told you, it's important. Amen? So he's one of those success stories whose secret isn't so secret if we look at Caleb. He just did it in the strength of the Lord, and that's where he got his enthusiasm. You know, we are so works-focused that we get tired thinking about things. Some people mm -hmm. think the Bible is work. Oh, I don't want to increase my devotional time. You know, it's more work, right? Mm -hmm. That's because you're doing it in your own strength, not in the strength of the Lord. When we do things in the strength of the Lord, there is no physical burden, and in fact, we Amen. get energized. You know, I remember one time there was a friend of Bishop's, uh, his name was Pastor Dwight, and he came to preach a three-day conference, and he was on deck all three days straight, mm. and he gives out when he preaches. He is all over down here, back there, up in the platform, screaming, yelling, and he is a hoot, but he is just anointed. Well, he got laryngitis. When he gets off the plane, he's got no sound coming out. So he just prayed in his spirit overnight in the hotel room. We laid hands on him. He took the mic, started off with a squeak, and got his full voice returned about six, seven minutes into his first message. Soon as he stepped off the platform, laryngitis. Next night, same thing. Next night, same thing. That's called the strength of the Lord. God would heal the laryngitis while he was under the anointing to deliver the message he had, and then it would come back after. It was incredible to watch. He would just totally lose his voice the minute he was through preaching God's word. And I thought, isn't that awesome? That's the strength of the Lord. Amen? So the word enthusiasm is made up of the Greek words for in and thuse. In thuse, right? And it was coined to describe the zeal of the early Christians in the church that were so on fire and excited for God and were spreading the gospel. So when we have the God of all enthusiasm with us, it's like a surge of power. It's like a spiritual reaction in our heart. Paul says in Colossians 1, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. So all we have to say is, God, give me the power. Give me your energy, God. Give me enthusiasm. Number four is that risk takes uh, stay energized about their relationship with God. So this brings us back to the true source of Caleb's life. He was energized by his relationship with God. And shouldn't we all be? It should always be about our personal relationship with God. You know, God cares more about the man than the ministry. He cares more about your heart than he does all the things that you can do for him. Mm -hmm. And he cares more about his relationship with you 
than any of your spiritual gifts and anything else you can offer. So we need to always make our personal relationship with God number one priority in life. My prayer time, my Bible time, my research and study time, that's got to take first place because all the rest comes from it. And this is where Caleb got his enthusiasm, right? From staying in relationship with God. That's what kept him barreling forward and in God's will. So the story of Caleb's life is told in just 30 verses in the Bible. So we've had two two two-hour sermons about Caleb, but there's only 30 verses about him in entire scripture. But six times in 30 verses, we're given the secret to his supernatural energy, to his risk-filled, risk-taking life, and why he lived in the faith zone. Amen? So listen to this. We'll go from Numbers 14 to Deuteronomy 1 to Joshua 14 to Joshua 14, 14. Numbers 14 says, but my servant Caleb has a different spirit in him, and he's followed me fully. They have not wholly followed me except Caleb. And Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. Deuteronomy 1. Caleb, the son of whatever his name is, he said he shall see it. And to him and his children, I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. Joshua 14.9. I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed me. Joshua 14.14. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Say, wholly followed the Lord God. Holy follow the Lord God. I wholly follow the Lord God. I wholly follow the Lord God. There's Caleb's secret exposed in scripture. Every five verses, he wholly followed me. I wholly followed you. Caleb wholly followed the Lord. The others didn't wholly follow him except Caleb. He wholly followed the Lord. So what's the key verse? Holy follow the Lord. That is a choice. I really want you to think about that. It's a choice to wholly follow the Lord. You want to think about, you know, you get up in the morning and uh, you want to spend some time with the Lord, but, you know, this, this, and this, you've got to do this, this, and this, and this pressure is here, and, you know, time is getting away, and so you think, I'll just do it tomorrow. And you go about your day. And God taps you on your shoulder and just reminds you, you know, of what, what, what it is that you missed. And then the sec- next day comes up and, and you think, oh, well, you know, I'm going to spend God, time with God. And you're all excited. And all of a sudden this, this, and this comes in the way. And, and you think, man, okay, I'll do it later. But then later comes and other things come in the way. And then another day ends. And then you get up in the morning and you think, okay, I'm going to do it this, this time. But, but something always comes in the way. So <clears throat> here's the truth, people. Okay, you wanna, I'm going to teach you some really, really deep, deep theology. Okay, you ready? People are going to do what people are going to do because that's what they want to do. You are going to do what you are going to do because it's what you want to do. So that's why it's a choice. It's a choice to choose to spend some time with God 
And more than that, it's a choice to choose to walk your entire day with him, to constantly have him on your mind and talking to him about the things that that you're facing, that you're going through, decisions that you have to make, uh, things that are on your mind and on your heart. That's how you wholly follow the Lord, by choosing to do so. So you want to think again, what was Caleb doing in those 40 years in between when he went over and said, we can take this land to now he's 85 years old and he's ready to take that land. What in the world was he doing in those 40 years? He was staying holy, following the Lord. And so ask yourself, while you're in between, where God wants to take you and where you are now, what are you doing? Where, are you, where is your thought life going? What are you watching on TV? What are you reading? How are you preparing? How are you keeping your heart wholly following the Lord? And it's not just coming to church on Sunday morning or Sunday evening and Wednesdays. It's about a daily commitment to wholly following the Lord. That's where the heart change comes in. And that is something only you and I can choose to do each and every day. Mm -hmm. So think about this. Caleb could have easily have said, what's the use? God has deserted me. Um, Why did I even bother giving that good report? God doesn't care about me. He's abandoned me. I don't ever want to serve him again. You think Caleb could have done that? Absolutely. And I'll guarantee you those thoughts would have crossed his mind, even though it's not written in the Bible. Why? Because he's a human. But he chose, and he chose, and he chose, and he chose. And that's what you and I have to do. Every time those negative thoughts come into our mind, God's not really going to do this. God doesn't really, isn't really have this promise for me or this or that. We choose, we choose, we choose to believe the report of the Lord and wholly follow the Lord. So I want to reflect back a little bit on Evangel and EACM as we talk about this wholly following the Lord. When Bishop first started ministry, he and Dr. Cheryl started uh, in a, they were looking for a church uh, that would not only house his congregation, but would also house other ministries who maybe couldn't afford a church. And he, and he knew he wanted a network. He wanted a network that was, that was um, able to give people the freedom to minister the way they wanted to, but would give them a legal and spiritual covering. He and Dr. Cheryl started with a very small Bible study in their condo. And after receiving revelation about the ministries of, of inner healing and deliverance, they began to conduct breakthrough seminars. Mm-hmm. Now, this was cutting edge mm-hmm. back in his day. And you better believe that there was a whole lot of Christian uh, ministries who came against them. But they knew what God had done for them. They saw the evidence in their condo and they began to minister inner healing and deliverance throughout the, 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 the surrounding area and began to grow. And to this day, the network has 5,500 churches, ministries, parachurches underneath it. 
It is, it, uh, bishops have been on TV and radio. Uh, they've late launched, excuse me, state Bible licensed, state licensed Bible schools, including our own CCI. Uh, they've expanded the network into sub-networks, which means there are people who have their own networks underneath bishops' networks. And every single one of those movements that they stepped out, whether it be TV, radio, the ministries, there was a risk to it. Yep. Holy following the Lord is their mantra. Mm -hmm. They have faced major health crises, legal crises, building crises, monetary crises, spiritual crises. But this is what we know about them is they have never wavered in their devotion to the Lord. And if God would have tore this building down all around them, they would have served him. If God would have uh, caused them to go <coughs> bankrupt and losing their houses and cars and everything else, they would have served him. They didn't care about what the, the trappings, their mind was set on doing the work for the Lord. So when health issues came up, you know what bishops do? They call for healing services. Mm -hmm. When legal crises have arised in, in their lives or in the lives of the churches, they've always uh, <clears throat> raised a banner of righteousness, which means they do everything legal. They do everything above board and then some. <clears throat> when monetary crisis hits evangel, and every church goes through those times, you know what bishops do? They sow out. They sow out more. That is the biblical answer, and they have seen God come through time and time and time again. Yep, you know, I remember there was just a vicious onslaught that came against the deliverance ministry one time, and it was just something else. And Bishop had a deliverance altar call the following Sunday morning, and I looked at him and I said, you are something else, just defiant, aren't you? And he looked at me and he said, the devil can take that, people are going to get set free this morning. And these altars were packed, and there were manifestations, and people were getting healed and set free and getting breakthrough. It was off the hook. But he just heads right into it. There is nothing that deters him. Yeah. And that brings up the last one. When spiritual crises arise, you know where bishops go? They dig deeper into their word. They spend more time fasting and praying. Seeking God. It's not about the works. Okay? It's not about, oh, well, now bishops pray more and they fast more. And so God's up and looking at them. Oh, I see you're praying more and fasting more. I'll give you more attention. Now. It's not about that. It's about their relationship with him. That's what, that's what they're all about. So a little bit of a, a personal story here. You know, I came to know Bishop uh, about 15 years ago. And, um, you know, I was truly Canadian back then. <laughs> and, uh, and so Dr. Trish and I started dating. And, uh, and we were working on Bishop's book together. And, and I didn't know this, but this is, this is Bishop. And, and he, he would tell, or he told Dr. Trish this after, he says, I'm going to test this guy. And he would, so I'd be writing this chapter and he'd say, well, I want to add this and I want to change this and I want to do this. Now I want to rechange this. And, and he, would, he would do things that would grind my flesh. I'm telling you, he, there were times I'd have to, to grip my teeth because I've been in this area for, for years. Okay, who is he to tell me how to write a book? 
Okay? But there he was. He was just, he was just laying it out, laying it out, laying it out. And, and so I just, you know, I had to follow and flex and do things with him. So <coughs> I have come to have incredible respect for Bishop's wisdom and understanding. Uh, you know, I, I, I listen sometimes he, he writes uh, some of the announcements or he wants some things done. Uh, you know, the, the office ladies who want them to do certain things. And, and he'll bring, he'll, they'll write it up and he'll bring it to him. And I'll look at him and I'm watching him read all these words. And, and he makes these corrections. And I'm thinking, Bishop, you know, just leave it the way it is. But he has this, this, uh, this need for perfection. He wants everything, every word, jot, and tittle that he does. He wants it to reflect on excellence of the Lord. So through... Um, I'll say some very trying experiences with Bishop. I have really, I have just come to admire his purpose for doing what he does. And his purpose for doing what he does is always because he wants everybody and everything within his sphere of influence to be wholly following the Lord. One time I was in the office and he said, Pastor Trish? And I said, yeah. And he goes, man, has Simon got patience. Oh, I pressed him. <laughs> I said, you leave my fiance alone. <laughs> you know, a lot of you may not know this about bishops, so don't tell them I told you. But everything that they own has been wholly given to the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. So they have released ownership of their personal belongings, jewelry, grandfather clocks, furniture, cars, condo, Everything belongs to the church. They own nothing. That's holy serving God. How many of you would say, okay, that would be tough for me. You want me to sign over my house, my car, all my belongings, my bank account to the ministry? Mm, I don't know if I can do that. They did that years and years and years ago. They own nothing. That is having a heart holy for God. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. You know, as a church, we have made a decision to take risks and not just give new moves of God a try. Well, let's see how it works out, right? There's always been a commitment, and God's always proved faithful and just done magnificent things. So our question to you tonight is what risk is God asking you to take in order to move forward? Is it something that's been intimidating to you, a job change? Something that would bring you increase? Something that would put you in a position of greater influence? Are you afraid of the success? Are you afraid it's not going to work out? We've got to grab a hold of the tail of that nasty spirit of fear and just beat it over the head. Mm -hmm. What is God asking you to do to move forward? Start a ministry? Start an online group? Start ministering to people in your neighborhood? The truth is you cannot move forward without risk. You can't. You cannot move forward without taking a risk. And risk-taking means that we are walking in the faith zone. Amen? God is no respecter of persons. He promises yea and amen to those who believe. God, I believe you. You spoke it to me. You confirmed it. I'm going to do it immediately, just like Caleb. What he's done for someone else, he'll do for you. Keep in mind that it may not include earthly comfort. Mm -hmm. We may get stretched a little bit. We may feel a little out of sorts when we're in this new area. But it always includes divine courage. So God, give me courage. Courage in the face of opposition. Courage for cultural change. Courage when I'm confronted with the unknown. Courage in the midst of a pandemic. Courage in the midst of a government shift. 
God created us to count, not to be counted. He created us to count, amen, mm -hmm. not to be counted. So this is your time to move forward. It's your time to move out of the safe zone. Give yourself a kick in the pants. I'm getting out of the safe zone. All right, God, here I go. Mm -hmm. I'm trusting you to provide, right? Are you willing to take up the challenge? Are you willing to take it up? That's the question you should leave with tonight. And hopefully the answer is yes, I will, God. I trust you. So look at your promised land and know that there are giants in that land. It's just, it, they're there. But do you look at them and say, I can't move forward? Or do you look at them and say, me and God, we can overcome anything together? Caleb said, let me at him, yep. right? That's our attitude. Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you have that exuberance, that energy, that excitement? Mm -hmm. Are you wholly devoted to God? Doesn't matter what giants come your way. Are you focused on obtaining the promised land that God has for you, whatever that looks like, according to his plan and purpose that he has for you? And he has a plan and a purpose for every single person in the sound of our voices, okay? But once came, <coughs> do you look at the giants or do you look at the giants? Amen. Amen. The creator of the giants. Mm -hmm. Living in the faith zone, Pastor Eric, if you want to come up. Living in the faith zone starts with having Jesus live big inside each one of us. Amen. Mm -hmm. If you all can stand with us. <coughs> Perhaps you've never thought of life as living in the faith zone. And um, <coughs> it starts by asking Jesus into your life. Because he is the giant. Yeah. He is the one who has already conquered this world. He is the one who walked through, uh, <clears throat> through a path that hell threw down against him. And yet he walked right through it. And where does he sit right now? At the right hand of God, he's ever living to make intercession for each one of us. You want to think about that. He is our greatest cheerleader. And if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, he wants to be <coughs> your greatest cheerleader. So let's say this together. Father God, I lived my life, I lived my life the way I've wanted to. The way I've wanted in the to, safe zone. In the safe zone. And far outside, far outside of your faith zone. Of your faith zone. Tonight. Tonight, I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life to be Lord and Savior. To be Lord and Savior. To save me from the sentence of death. To save me from the sentence of death. Brought on by my sin. Brought on by my sin. And to give me eternal life. And to give me eternal life. I acknowledge that you are the one true God. I acknowledge that you're the one true God. And that through your Son Jesus. And that through your Son Jesus. You died for my sins. You died for my sins. And rose again from the dead. And rose again from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And for helping me. And for helping me. To live in the faith zone. To live in the faith zone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you've said that for the first time, please come and see, see us if you're a Christian. And, and this message has really hit home for you. And you realize that you've just come back into that place of lukewarmness. We're here to pray for you. To get the fire of God back into, into your belly and into your walk. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
So there's baskets up front. If you've come in late for your tithes and offerings, there's refreshments, Barb. They'll be out to the uh, to our left. Uh, we are we will stay for a few minutes. If you have need for prayer for any reason at all, please come up. And if you're ready to go home and uh, get prepared for for tomorrow and and start your day holy, following the Lord, you're dismissed with our blessings. Have a great week.